Welcome back to GA Fan TV. My name is Aaron. I'm delighted to be joined here by Matthew Hurley from the GA Statsman podcast to run through the weekend's GA action. We're going to be discussing, obviously, the All Ireland final, the big win for Limerick, the three in a row, and everything else. We'll be discussing Kilkenny's performance, the future of Brian Cody, and also can Limerick potentially go on and maybe even surpass Dublin six in a row or potentially even Kilkenny's four in a row? I mean, that is starting to become a really realistic possibility now at this stage. Uh, we might also touch as well on uh, Liam Cattle uh, stepping down as Waterford manager and the potential links with him going to Tipperary. And we will be looking at the ladies' football action and we'll be touching on the Camogie results as well. So, uh, Matthew, I suppose, first of all, how is things with yourself? Um, I mean, another huge, huge win for Limerick in the, in the sweltering heat, as we were discussing off-air as well. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Aaron. Again, yeah, it was it was a brilliant win for Limerick, and uh, you know the spectacle that the both sides produce as well in the sweltering heat, as you said. Like Jesus, like I think both their shot eyes was percent to do exactly yesterday. It was absolutely incredible, and we thought it'll take a lot out of them. It kind of did in the second half, but that first half especially was absolutely unbelievable. Well done to everyone involved, and. Uh, yeah, very good action to look through, and uh, hopefully we'll have the same weather for the next few weeks. Wouldn't that be ideal, Aaron? Yeah, hundred percent, and hopefully for uh, for Galway's homecoming, you know, you'll be you'll have everyone out on the on the streets and and all the rest. But um, yeah, just a reminder: we're brought to you here by Declan Kirby GA Star, the best children's GA book out there in the market at the minute. You can find it on Amazon, Eason's, all good bookshops as well. Great supporters of the channel, so make sure to check them out when you get a chance um yeah as we were saying there it was limerick 131 kilkenny 226 a mental final really you know over nearly 70 scores in total absolutely crazy kilkenny's second highest tally that they've ever recorded in an all Ireland final yet they've been beaten um the highest tally that limerick have conceded before extra time under john coyley as well which shows you how much they were tested I mean, first of all, was this the best All Ireland final of all time, in your opinion? Was it up there in the top three, top four, or what do you think? I honestly think I know um, me and Seamus Brady for the Play On GA podcast earlier to start discuss recency bias, but um, at the same time, you have to find both sides achieved over 30 that was incredible for them and uh yeah like Limerick they were pushed to the pin of their collar and they still won the game like Kilkenny scoring a total of 32 226 and as we mentioned the heat for the players must have been very difficult to deal with as well and for them to put up a showing like they did the shot accuracies for both of them above 70 percent like when's the last time you see that in the order of vinyl and aside to, lo- to lose and score 226 that is absolutely incredible. And even look at the statistics as well. 50 different scores for Kilkenny. And they still lost the game. I mean, that is absolutely incredible. And uh, fair play to Brian Cody. Because most people didn't see Kilkenny getting to an order final. Never mind, challenge Limerick. So fair play to them for that. But Limerick, it just showed how good a team they are. When they were put to the pin of their collar. When they were tested to the full ability. They still came out on top. And when you look at it this year. They only had one easy game against Cork. The rest of them were such hard games for Limerick and they pulled through. It was either they just did enough or they blitzed the team out of the water despite the other team playing to their utmost of their ability as well. Like Limerick were absolutely incredible this year. They might not have been free-flowing as last year, 
But this year, they were tested. Cade Lynch getting injured, let's not forget as well. And to lose him and then go on and win the other the way they did, incredible team. And I think we'll discuss it later on, but I think Limerick has to be put up there as one of the best teams in history. This is probably the best all Ireland final in history. I know we'll talk about recency bias and all that, but I think it's definitely up there. I think for excitement, it's their level. But for if you combine excitement and quality, this is probably top of the range, I think. Yeah, like, and I do get the counter arguments of a lot of people saying the first half was a bit like a tennis match, and you know, you have a lot of players scoring way inside their own half, you know, from 78 meters out. And obviously, a lot of people, you know, saying maybe they need to change the weight of the slitter or something like that because it's becoming, you know, a little bit easier to score nowadays than it was maybe five, ten years ago. But I think the quality levels have just improved as, as time has gone on, and I think that's been sort of one of the, the big differences there. Um, but yeah, like, as you were saying there in regards to Limerick, like the crazy thing is about them is that when you look through their games this year, you could look at Clare probably gave Limerick their best performance of the championship this season. Waterford gave their best performance to Limerick in the championship season this year. You could say Tipperary's best performance was against Limerick as well and possibly the same for Galway and also now Kilkenny. So it's kind of incredible. Like Limerick, they haven't done it the easy way whatsoever. Like they've been pushed every single time and Every team they've come up against have played well on the day. like, And that's only a testament for Limerick, the fact that they came through a lot of the time in the final five to ten minutes when it's been players coming off the bench and everything else, little tactical changes. It's uh, incredible, really. And even like a lot of people are comparing this Limerick team to the Kilkenny team of uh, the late noughties. But uh, as me and Chambers were discussing earlier, Kilkenny didn't really have to have many obstacles, especially in 07 and 08 when they pushed Limerick and Waterford with ease in the final. Limerick have been tested in nearly every game this year. Like Waterford definitely put up their best performance. Tipperary were ahead of Limerick going into the last 10 minutes. Let's not forget that Clare were drew with Limerick twice after normal time. Galway on another day should have beat them. And Kilkenny managed over 30 points against them. Like, that is incredible. Like, you couldn't fault any of the teams other than Cork that played Limerick this season. They played to their utmost of their ability. The problem was Limerick are just uh, ju- just perfection all over the field. Like, you look at even their puck outs now yesterday. Nicky Quaid into Garrod Hagerty. Each and every time, Garrod Hagerty would muscle his man off the ball. And even the last point when he was mustering Walter Walsh, who's six foot six off the ball. I mean, the guy is an absolute machine. And um, yeah, like the funny thing about Limerick is Aaron Galan was probably their player of the year up until the final. He didn't have his best game, but then you have lads like Garrett Hagerty, Tom Morrissey stepping up to the plate, Dermot Burns as well from wing back, Kyle Hayes. You have these players stepping up when their star, other star players aren't performing. And that is a testament to Limerick, testament to John Kyle as well, and how he drills this team. You know, it's it's absolutely incredible. And even their humility after the game as well. Like, even Garrett Hagerty. I just love seeing Garrett Hagerty in his post-match interview afterwards. Just looking in awe around Crow Park. Like, he's been there for the first time. I mean, he loves his hurling. The, the whole of Limbrick love their hurling as well. And I think they're an absolutely incredible team. And they will be a team to look up to in the future. You know, kids growing up. And saying, oh, I want to be like Garrett Hagerty. I want to be like Kyle Hayes. They are just the benchmark for the whole country. They are absolutely incredible. And the way they won games this year may not have been pretty. It may not have been perfection like they were last year. Like that performance against Cork was seen as perfection last year. But I think arguably this performance was probably better. Because Cork didn't turn up last year. 
Kilkenny turned up and gave their utmost their ability, and Limerick still beat them by two points. I mean, that's credit to John Coyley, I think. And yeah, well done to Limerick. And I think they are the benchmark for the whole country. Are they the best team in history? I don't know what you think yourself, Aaron, but I think they're definitely right up there. Yeah, I think they're definitely they're definitely getting in the conversation, make no mistake about that. I mean, as you said there, look, the Kilkenny side was unbelievable. And obviously back then Cork were, you know, sort of winning all Orleans or there, thereabouts, sort of in the in the early two thousands. Um, you know, Limerick were not the same team they are today. Waterford had plenty of good hurlers, Tipperary as well. But it does seem that especially with the round robin as well, like Limerick, I think I've seen as well that Limerick are only three or four more wins away from actually exceeding Kilkenny's win and run during their four in a row. So they'll actually have gone the longest unbeaten in the championship out of everyone. You know, if they win, I think, four or five games next year. And you'd have to imagine they're probably going to surpass that with the round robin in there as well. So, like, they really are looking towards a, a potential four or five in a row. And I never like to, you know, jump too far ahead because you never know what can happen. But at the same time, you look at Limerick, Keen Lynch, big injury. Aaron Galan was marked out of the game, I thought, at large parts yesterday. But yeah, you still have Hegarty, you know, you still have um, William O'Donoghue, Darrow O'Donovan around the middle. Tom Morrissey can step up and get a couple of points. Um, you still have Keen Lynch to come back into the fold that next year. Cahill O'Neill coming through under 20. So, like, they're just not going anywhere whatsoever. And when you look at it, all the sides they beat this year gave their best performances, other than Cork against Limerick. Um, and yet Limerick have just still beaten all of them. Like, that just goes to show how good they are, really. It is, yeah, and uh, like I know, I know as a Dublin man yourself, you don't want to um, compare this Limerick team to the Dublin team or even the Kilkenny team of the past or even the Kerry teams of the past. But in GA history, the way they're conditioned, the obstacles put in their way, especially this year with Kia Lynch's injury, like, look, I was questioning about uh, before the game even why they started Graham Mulcahy. Maybe, but I was thinking then maybe it's a calming influence of the team. He only scored one point overall in the the championship twenty twenty two. But at the same time, you have players like Tom Morrissey, Garrod Hagerty, Aaron Galan when he's up up and running, Seamus Flanagan who scored. Let's not forget Seamus Flanagan scored eight points against Clare. So there are performances every time they go into a game. There's going to be a player or two or maybe even three or four that step up, and that's that's the main thing with this Limerick team. They're, they're all so drilled. They're, they all know their jobs. And they put so much into Limerick Hurling as well. I think they're just a credit to the whole country, really. And it's a bar that the whole country needs to step up to. I do think there is quality in Watford, in Cork, in uh, Clare as well, in Kilkenny, in Galway. But the problem is they're not going to win it all in the next few years, as long as this team's around. And another thing as well, this team, most of their players are mid-20s. So they're going to be here, I'd say, another five years or so. So it's going to be intriguing what they do over the next few years. I think their aim is to try and beat that Dublin six in a row. Do I think I could, they could do it? I think they have the capabilities of doing it. I think they're an unreal team. I think the the problem really is if they if they have a plethora of injuries, not just Cadillage, if they have four or five injuries, maybe they'll be put more to the test then. But... Um, as of now, I just think this Nimmer team is definitely on the road to maybe six in a row, maybe even more, because this team, the way they're drilled, the way they love their hurling, the way players step up when counted, I think this team is absolutely faultless. It's absolutely incredible. And you mentioned the record for the most of beaten games. I think they'll definitely get that. 
that's another record they, they can add. Like, that's incredible. What else can you say about this Limber team except pure perfection all over the field? And John Coyley as well to motivate these players as well. Paul Canork in the backroom team. Caroline Courage as well. Incredible. Incredible. And is this the greatest team in history? I think it's right up there. And they will try to beat that Dublin six in a row. That'll be their aim, definitely. Yeah, and I think you could arguably say, like, even if Limerick were to record record five in a row, and I certainly don't want to admit this as a Dublin fan, but I think if Limerick were to do five in a row, I think that would surpass Dublin six in a row, in my opinion, as well. Because, like, when you think about it, Dublin have, have, have you know, strolled through their province, really. Like, not to downplay it, but clearly the quality that Dublin are going up against in the Leinster Championship compared with Limerick coming through Munster. Like, Limerick have a lot of tough games to come through in Munster. It's not a guarantee that you come through there. Like, you look at Waterford, you look at Clare, Cork in previous years as well, where it's been extremely difficult to come through there. So, and you think of the sides that Limerick have had to come up against. I know Dublin have played the likes of Mayo and Kerry and, you know, Tyrone and a couple of different teams in there. But for, for Limerick, there's just far more obstacles. There's more teams. There's, you know, better managers. That's just the way Hurland's been. It's just far, it's far more competitive than football has been probably in the last 10 years or so. So, like, would you go along with that, do you think? Or, or what do you think? Do you think Limerick will go ahead and achieve the six in a row, five in a row, or, or possibly even more? Who knows? Like yourself, Aaron, I don't probably want to push too far ahead because it's a long time. Like, um, the six in a row, seven in a row, that's three, four years away. Like, that's a long time in hurling. But the way I've seen the, this Limerick team brush aside some, monst- some monster size when they were performing to their utmost, the way they beat Kilkenny yesterday, when Kilkenny gave it their all, as Jackie Terrell described it in the Sunday game last night, they died with their boots on. I just think this Limerick team is absolutely perfect all over the field. And to think about it, like it, what epitomizes Munster being so tough is both vegan, cast your minds back to this at the start of the year, both vegan said Limerick wouldn't make it out of Munster. I know that that sounds ridiculous now, like, but it kind of epitomizes how tough Munster is when you look at Cork. Clare, Watford were considered the closest team to Limerick and they still couldn't cut it. Tipperary, I think they'll be back now next year with uh, probably Liam Cahill in charge. They didn't perform to their utmost this year, but still they performed very well against Limerick and still lost the game by about, uh, I think it was uh, six, six or seven points. So still, I think they can beat the six in a row. I know that that'll hurt you as a Dublin fan, but I just think this Limerick team has more to give. Like, Lads like Gerald Hagerty are like 25, 26. There's about five or six or maybe even seven years left in the tank for these players. I mean, that is that is absolutely incredible. And I just think the longevity of this team will go into the next six, seven years. I think this Liberty team could dominate. I think, look, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough, no doubt about it, because Cork have brought in Pat Ryan. He, he'll... Um, He'll get them running again. Brian Cody will be hungry for another honor with Kilkenny. It will be tough for Limerick. But I just think this team, the way they're trained, the motivation, I think go. I think they should go for the six in a row. Why not? Like It's history in the making, and they're definitely in the prime place to do it, given the age of their players as well. Like 25, 26-year-olds. It's, it's, it's definitely possible for this Limerick team, and it would be historic. Yeah, I mean, it is it is very possible, all right. Like, I think maybe, as you said, like, uh, if there was loads of injuries or something like that, maybe that would go against them. Maybe if they lost the game in the round robin, they mightn't be able to recover. But then again, we've seen them recover on plenty of occasions before. And 
you know, maybe John Coyley or Paul Connerk step down at some stage. You just don't know. Like, they've obviously achieved so much, you know, like Coyley and Connerk have won four All-Irelands now in the last five years, which is kind of incredible, really, when you think about it. Like, that's 36% of Limerick's entire role of honour in terms of All-Irelands. Mm. Like, Declan Hannon has lifted 36% of the Lee McCarthy's for Limerick, which is nothing short of remarkable, really. Like, in when you said it there as well, like with Groad Hegarty in terms of stepping up in big games and stepping up in the big moments, he's scored 314 now across three finals, which mm. is remarkable. Like, and, you know, he's he's definitely the man for the big occasion. Like, you've seen him obviously celebrating after the first goal. Like, he looks like a man who just really, really lives for that all Ireland final day. And as soon as he gets to Crow Park, there's just something about him where he steps up and he delivers. And I was surprised as well, like how much space Paddy Deegan afforded him at times as well. Like um, I thought Paddy Deegan had a great game going down the other end in terms of attack, but it's almost like teams stand off Groot Hegarty and they put so much focus into Aaron Galan, you know, into Shamie Flanagan, into Keane Lynch if he's playing. And they forget the influence that Groot Hegarty has because like when he gets going, he's, he's just impossible to stop. Like f- physicality wise, he's absolutely huge. He's a monster of a man. And technically as well, I think, you know, he's very underrated in that aspect of his game as well because we've seen his goal, I think, against Galway as well. Um, you know, outstanding hurler. Uh, he's an outstanding hurler. And uh, I think Kilkenny kind of uh, took dry off the ball because of the stats going into the game. Garrod Hagerty scored 111 up until the order of final. Like, there wasn't much trade, like Aaron Galan, Dermot Burns, possibly Tom Morrissey. And maybe if it's Seamus Fagan after scoring eight points against Clare would have been the traits. But I said the GA show podcast, I think, last week that Garrett Hayward would get man of the match. I believed it because there was a performance in this guy. You know, he's just a man mountain. And even not just his scoring or anything, the puck outs as well, especially in the first half. How many did he field around that side of the field? I mean, it was absolutely incredible over Paddy Deegan. Like, that's in the Kilkenny half. I mean, that is absolutely incredible. The, the score he got in the first half down near the sideline in between the 265s, that was absolutely outrageous. And I, and I mentioned this as well, the last score as well, when the players were tired, when there was a guy to drive them on, it was to be Garrod Hagerty. And to bang Walter Walsh out of the way like he did, I know he's a big man himself, Hagerty, six foot five, but Walter Walsh is six foot six. He's no chicken either. Like, you know, that is, you know, just banging him out of the way and putting it over the bar with ease. Like, do, the things he does on the ball is just so effortless. And even the goal as well. Don't discount the quality of the goal. Like, I think the Sunday game even mentions, they're going to beat Owen Murphy. It would have to be a rocket into the top corner. And he placed it. I don't think he could have placed it even better. That, that is, look, it was an incredible finish. Incredible performance by him. And honestly, I think Kilkenny took an eye off him because of the stats going into the game. But... They should, probably should have looked at the stats of the Cork game last year where he exploded to life. I think he scored two goals in that fight. Did he, Aaron? Like, that was mm. that was incredible as well. Like, you know, you know, he is a guy for the final. He is a guy for the big occasion. He wasn't good up until then. But even the goal against Clare, when Limerick needed him, he got the goal as well. So just the big moments, when Limerick needed him, he stepped up. And, you know, that's a sign of an excellent player. And he definitely deserves a prop. He deserves it. I was kind of questioning... Would he get in the all-star team before the final? I was definitive afterwards. Like, you know, what a performance by him. The goal was well taken. The points he got were just effortless at times. And the puck outs he got as well. I, I mean, he's the he's the consummate professional. And 
even after the game as well, the post-match interview, just just a sign that he loves his hurling. He loves playing a core part. No matter how many times he's played there, he just loves playing. He's like a kid in the park. Like he's he's just a consummate professional. He's a brilliant player, a brilliant role model for kids as well, and an absolutely outstanding hurler for anything else. Yeah, I mean, it was unbelievable. I thought Nicky Quay did a very good game as well, to be fair. I don't think he got the, the praise that he deserved. I thought his puck outs were absolutely incredible. But as you said there, like, there's no taking away Grode Hegarty's man of the match display. Like, the score 1-5 from play. And some of the scores as well were just out of this world. And obviously, the goal was, was exceptional as well. Plenty of comments flying in there. So much appreciated. Porter Porter says... Limerick winning is great for Hurling and are the best team to come out of Munster, in my opinion. And Sir Klopp says, I can't see any team beating Limerick unless they have an off day. You know, but that's the thing is, like, even when they have looked like they've had off days, they've still found a way to come through and win. Like, against Galway, they weren't particularly brilliant, I found. Like, they started quite well. They, I remember they were four points to one up. But, like, Galway, for me, looked closer to beating Limerick than Kilkenny ever did. I'm pretty sure Galway went to point in front at one stage as well in the second half, whereas Kilkenny never led in the entirety of the game. Like, and you know, like it took David Reedy really to come off the bench and sort of make the difference for for Limerick in that game versus Galway. So, you know, like there's been a lot of times where, and, and that's where the the comparison with the Dubs I think is there because there were a lot of times down the years where Dublin as well in all Ireland finals and even sometimes in semi finals wouldn't look particularly brilliant or wouldn't look great or would drift out of the game or, you know, their forwards would have an off day, but yet they'd still find a way by hook or by crook. Like, I'll always remember Costello coming off the bench against Mayo, I think in 2013 or 2015, one of, or 2016. There's obviously been a lot of years, probably 2016, I think it is, in the replay. He comes off the bench, gets a couple of points um, in extra time. So, like, Limerick have that as well, that when things are going tough, they have lads to come off the bench and make a difference. And, that's why it's hard to even see them have an off day in the championship and still not win. And even the lads coming on yesterday as well. Like uh, you would have expected David Reedy after getting three points and um, the semi point, he didn't score anything like coming on. Carl O'Neill got a point and he's a young player coming up as well. You know, like he's going to be ready for Road now next year. Connor Boylan, like I think this was one of the most underrated points as well he got. Like mm. again, in between the two 65s, like. My God, he that was his third score in the championship, and what a time to get it as well, just to calm them down a small bit. And I mean, what a performance by uh, Limerick. There are substitutes coming on, even. You look at Boylan, you look at uh, Carl O'Neill. Like, Peter Casey came on and got nothing. Like, imagine Peter Casey pulled full pelt as well. I mean, this Limerick team, and yeah, like, I think the only players are over 30. I think Nicky Quaid is 34. I think there was one other outfield player above 30. I'm not entirely sure who it is, but that's only one over 30 outfields. I mean, that is look, that just runs my point even even more. Like, there's going to be more of the tank in this Limburg team. And I think there's an argument as well. Like, another guy that's gone out of the radar, Sean Finn. Maybe Mikey Butler's been better than him this season. But I think consistency-wise, you have to rate Sean Finn as one of the best cornerbacks in history. I think he's absolutely incredible. And the consistency levels of this player, he's got All-Stars constantly since 2018. I mean, and I don't think a defender has got as much praise as the likes of Finn, the likes of Mike Casey, the likes of Barry Nash, the way they do their work around around the back line. Dermot Burns as well. Kyle Hayes is so versatile. You can literally play him in every position. I mean, 
it's it's an incredible team all over the all over the field, one to fifteen as well. And even who I mentioned, Gar- Graham Mulcahy who scored one point in the championship. He's the oh he's the one over thirty actually, Graham Mulcahy, and he's the one who scored mm-hmm. only one point in the championship. So, like you know, and um, if the guy over thirty, the only guy over thirty, isn't contributing well, then the others are. I mean, geez, who's going to stop this Limber team? It's an absolutely incredible team. And the bench as well. You mentioned Cormac Costello in 2016. Kevin McMenamin so many times. With this Limber team, Connor Boylan, Cahill O'Neill. There's more players. Colin Collin coming through the ranks. Aiden O'Connor for the under-20s. Adam English coming through the under-20s. Like, it's non-stop. This Limber team is going to keep going as long as they can. I mean, this... And when Limerick stop... Like, it's, it's, it's like Limerick are trying to control the hurling championship. When they're actually going to stop is when a team's going to take over. Like, no matter how well Carp performed or Kilkenny or whoever, it's when Limerick stop, then someone else is going to take their Liam McCarthy off. But for now, this Limerick team is absolutely superb. The bench as well played a huge impact yesterday and throughout the championship as well. And that cannot be understated. Yeah, Viobi says here, I can't see Limerick winning next year. Like, one game is all it takes. Like, if Limerick play like they did against Galway versus Kilkenny... Kilkenny would have won. But see, the thing is about Limerick, though, is even in the Galway game, when the going did get tough, they just raised their levels again and raised their games again. I feel like the, the thing with this Limerick side a lot of the time, in particular this year, is they've managed games very, very well. And it's almost been like when the when sides have sort of drawn level or started to get scores or started to come into the game, Limerick would then turn it on a bit more and they then make tactical changes, like bringing David Reedy on, like, I think John Coyley, Paul Connerk, like people underestimate the work that they've done as well. Like, you know, like tactically as well, just to make little switches, little changes. Cole Hayes playing at wing back for, you know, last year. Now he's moved further up the pitch, you know, and he's having a big impact as well. And you obviously have German Burns, who's played an absolute stormer, potentially hurler of the year as well. Like they're just improving year on year. Like, and that's the, that's the crazy thing. Like, you know. It is, yeah. And uh, you mentioned Dermot Burns being player of the year. Sunday game mentioned him as team as player of the year. Going to the game, even myself were saying, if Limerick were to win the final, it would be Aaron Galan, without a doubt, because of these scores from play. But Burns' performance yesterday, like I mentioned this with uh, Seamus as well earlier on, his point from play yesterday was incredible. Like, the, Kilkenny had a puck out, Owen Murphy. He just poked it out straight to the 65, and he just plucks it out of the air and pokes it right back over the bar. I mean... That is absolutely incredible. And is he up there with one of the best wing backs in terms of scoring, in terms of work rate? Like, even against, I think, uh, one Sunday game panelist, I'm not sure who it was last night, mentioned his uh, free taking against Cork. When Cork had that Shane Kingston goal and they seemed to be getting a bit of momentum, Dermot Burns was the guy taking the freeze, taking up the mantle around the 65 or even further back, and he was poking them over the bar. They were against the wind that day in the first half. I mean... He has to be down there for player of the year. And even Dick and Hannon as well. Like the point he got against Clare, which could have been the winning point, but it ended up being crucial because of what Tony Kelly did down the other end. I mean, the leadership from every player in this Limber team. Barry Nash is another one. How many mm. nominees for player of the year in this Limber team? It's incredible. Garrett Hagerty, even after the display in the final. I mean, you look at uh, Sean Finn as always. Mike Casey, I thought, was brilliant at full-back as well. Even when Kilkenny were trying to get a goal, he was there. I mean, and Mike Casey's only recently come into the panel. And Dan, Mar- Dan Morrissey, another one on your podcast, of course. He was full-back last year. He's moved to wing-back. I mean, 
this team yeah. all over the field, not just Kyle Hayes or anybody, they're just so versatile, so good. And someone mentioned in the comments there, it takes one slip up like the game against Galway, but I just think this Limber team don't know how to lose. I think that, like Shane Dowling actually mentioned in the Sunday game, I think after the Galway game, the best thing to happen to that team was the loss to Kilkenny. I know a lot of people said it wasn't at the time, obviously, but it kind of showed if Limber took their eye off the ball for a long period, long period, so like a 20, 25 minute period, someone will punish them. John Coyle and Paul Cadork sat the players down after that. This isn't happening again. And it hasn't happened again. It literally hasn't happened again. They've on, they're on a winning streak now. I mean, that is absolutely incredible from this Limber team. And it has to be applauded. And then, yeah, this, this Limber team, when will it stop? When will the train stop? I don't know. And even Dorbert Burns' performance epitomized by yesterday. I think he's up there for player of the year. Although I mentioned on my Instagram that Aaron Galant should get it. It could be anybody on this Limber team, mm. uh, especially I think Hannon, Nash, and Burns. But it could be anybody, literally, because this team is so well drilled. Yeah, seeing Eddie Brennan on Twitter saying Nikki Quaid should get hurler of the year as well. So like it's it's one of them as well where you know, obviously not every Limerick player going to get an all-star. Like I think last year was 11 Limerick players got all-stars or 12 of them or something like that or something, mm-hmm. something crazy like that. Obviously no Cork players got all-stars, which was definitely a, a little bit contra- controversial at the time. But I mean, again, like you could have a scenario where Limerick do end up winning 11 or 12 all-stars. Like I think there's been a lot of very, very good hurlers in the championship this year. So I don't think that will be the case, but I think you feel bad for some of the Limerick lads that are going to miss out on All-Stars because there's so many of them that um, that could win All-Stars. But, look, I suppose discussing Kilkenny, I mean, as we were saying there, they they scored 226, you know, a memorable performance for them. They finished the championship very, very strongly, obviously beating Clare as well in the semi-finals convincingly. You know, like, this, this has been as good as anyone has given Limerick a game in the last three years since Kilkenny beat Limerick in 2019. I mean, to score 226... And not win the All Ireland. I mean, it's the highest count of any side uh, to not win the All Ireland. I mean, that's that's incredible, really. Like, and I suppose for Kilkenny, they'll take a lot of positives, but at the same time, they'll look at it and think, Jesus, like, what more do we have to give to have won an All Ireland there? I mean, Kilkenny have won plenty of All Irelands in their time, but they'll look back at this one and think, like, we gave absolutely everything, but yet we still fell short. And that rarely happens in sport, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. And even going back to my stats yesterday, their shot percentage was 71%. They had 15 different scores. They had more turnovers than Limerick. I mean, as you said, Aaron, what more could they do? Like, I think it just epitomizes how perfect this Limerick team is that Kikini didn't win this game. I mean, and we talk about subs. We were talking about a lot of previews during the week. Limerick subs will make the difference. I looked at the scores again. Five of the Kikini players that came on scored. I mean... You know, that, that is an incredible stat. You look at Walter Walsh, Richie Hogan coming on and getting his first point of the championship, Tommy Walsh. Like, there was a load of scores on show. And TJ Reid as well, again from the freeze, was incredible. And even when Limerick seemed to be so far ahead of them in the first half, they were still four points down. Kilkenny were still in the game. And they got the start they needed in the second half with them two goals. And yet the play for Kilkenny was absolutely incredible. And even though... I mentioned Seamus' podcast as well. The second goal for Bossy Kuhn. Don't underestimate the touch by Owen Coley as well. He might not have had the best of games, but that little touch, that little bit of old selfishness, 
I mean, what a goal that was. And it was a crucial, crucial score. But the thing was, Kilkenny seemed to score crucial scores themselves. And then Limerick go up the other end and score a point themselves. You know, it's it was that kind type of game. It was the type of game where Kilkenny couldn't do anything else. They gave it their utmost in this game. Jackie Turrell said they died out of the pitch, which I definitely agree with. But Limerick just, they're just the team to beat and have been over the last few years. And it's crazy the stats would say Kilkenny probably should have done something out of the game. But it's just the perfection of this Limerick team that denied them the victory. And look, to have 15 scores, more turnovers than Limerick, a shot percentage of 71% and still to lose it. Get 226 in an order of final. I mean, what more could Kilkenny do? I mean... It was an incredible performance. And you could see Brian Cody afterwards. He was just so annoyed. So annoyed. Maybe it was something that left behind them. But I think, honestly, Kilkenny could do any more. I just think this Limber team were just a machine. You know, from start to finish. And uh, look, Kilkenny could do any more. Limerick were the, were the better team just on the day. And Kilkenny have to go again next year. It must have been pain for Brian Cody. Wins the la- I don't think Kilkenny have ever lost three finals in a row. I mean, you know, it's it's got to be sickening for Brian Cody to wake you up to the, you know, losing three finals in a row. Had the better Limerick with so many plays in the game and to still lose it. I mean, you know, he must be sickened today. But I, I would think Brian Cody should be proud of his players after that performance. They will come again. Maybe not the likes of TJ Reid. I think he was 35. Richie Hogan, who's around the same age, won't, but there's a lot of players there, Key and Kenny, Adrian Muller, that will come again in the future, definitely. But as I said, it'll depend on when Limerick will stop, unfortunately, no matter how well Kilkenny play. Yeah, I mean, obviously they won the under-20 All-Ireland as well, like I said, there's plenty of plenty of lads coming through the, the ranks for Kilkenny there at the minute. What do you think with Brian Cody? I mean, personally, I think he will stick around. I think we kind of nearly have this conversation every year. It's nearly like the annual Cody conversation, but... You know, I think he, he didn't step away last year when maybe the, the time was right after the Cork defeat. You know, like, obviously there are a few lads who are getting on, but I don't think TJ Reid is going to step away just yet. Like, I think with the fact that Kilkenny pushed Limerick as close as they did, we've got a couple of under-20 lads coming through. They're as close as anyone to catching Limerick potentially. Like, if, let's say, Limerick do have a flurry of injuries or something like that, or something happens, John Coyley, Paul Connerick step down and... You know, Limerick's dominance goes away. If if anyone's there to potentially catch them, you could pe- possibly say Kilkenny. So, um, you know, I, I don't see Cody going anywhere, but what do you think? I don't see him going anywhere. Like, as you said rightly there, Aaron, we have this discussion every year and he never leaves. I thought he'd leave last year after the Cork game. And while we're on that, I thought, uh, after the Cork game, I thought that was, geez, Kilkenny were very, very poor. And that uh, Cork game, I was thinking, Cody has to go now. Like, he's taken this team, this county so far now, as far as he can, and he has to leave. But he proved us wrong. And, you know, he, I think he will stay. He'll be hungry for another All-Ireland. Like, I know Limerick are perfectionists at this stage, but Cody will be so hungry. That result yesterday will make him even more hungry to try and win another All-Ireland. Because he'll be sickened. I know Kilkenny performed to their utmost, but he'd be sickened by that result and he'd want to rectify that next year. And uh, yeah, I, I said on my Instagram that he should be manager of the year. I stand by that. I know John Coyley performed well this year, Brian Lohan. But the way Brian Cody brought them to the final, I don't think, I definitely didn't predict Kilkenny to get to the final, even get close to Limbrick. 
But the way they performed yesterday, I think he deserves manager of the year, Brian Cody. I think, like, the old cliche goes, you can never write off Kilkenny. And I, I, I thought, you know, that cliche is kind of dying a bit at the start of the year, but, geez, it, they revived it this year. What a performance from the whole team this year. And I do think Cody should get manager of the year. I think he'll stick around. He's 68 now, so... I, I think usually he'd, he'd uh, leave, but I think that result will drive him for another Ireland even more. Will they get it? I don't think so. I think this Limber team is absolutely unbelievable. But will they be close to one? Will they put up the same performances? I think so. TJ, I think it's not the same situation as uh, Hockey and Cork. I think Hockey probably his time's up. He doesn't uh, contribute to play anymore or anything like that. I know TJ's 35, but he's contributed 211 for play. His free taking's impeccable. He's still a very, very good player. So, I think Kilkenny fans would nearly cry if he left, uh, to be honest with you. Would Richie Hogan leave? That That's probably a more realistic um, thing to happen. I think Richie Hogan probably will step down, but that's one player. You still have young players like Mikey Butler, Hugh Lawler, Tommy Walsh. There's still young players there, so they will be hungry now next year. But will they win another in the next few years? It's a hard one to say. I do think they have the capabilities to do it, but I think this Limber team is so perfect. And Brian Cody, I think he'd stick around for another year. He always does, to be honest with you. Yeah, like I, I can't see him going anywhere either. Like I think the fact that even that Shefflin took the job at Galway, like I think Shefflin was nearly hanging on for the Kilkenny job, but you know I think it, it was becoming perfectly clear that Cody isn't going to go anywhere anytime soon. And I think that's probably what drew Shefflin to the Galway job as as quick as he did. Sharon says here, it reminds me when Jim Gavin took over in 2013 when Dublin lost in 2014 and then started a dominance brilliantly in 2015. Yeah, a lot of a lot of comparisons really between the, the Dublin and Limerick story. And even what's interesting as well is, you know, when Dublin won the All-Ireland in 2016, the under-20s also won the All-Ireland that year. And that was the side that featured Con O'Callaghan. Um, and, you know, he obviously breaks into the side into, into 2017, goes on to, you know, have an absolute you know stormer of a year from a Dublin perspective and you've seen with Limerick getting to the under 20 All-Ireland final this year plenty of lads still to come through there as well like so it's just the train just isn't going to be slowing down from a Limerick point of view either but to be fair it was Kilkenny who beat them in that under 20 All-Ireland final so they do have um, plenty of lads coming through themselves I suppose we'll discuss the the news obviously that broke uh, last week in regards to Liam Cattle who obviously has stepped down as Waterford senior hurling manager. That obviously follows on from the news that Colin Bonner was sacked from Tipperary. I mean, quite crazy news, really. It all kind of happened so quickly. I mean, you know, just a lot of people might say there's a bit of a coincidence there, but I think it's very likely that the two are connected. And there's certainly a lot of rumours going around that Cahill is going to be the man to to take over as Tipperary manager. He obviously won an under-20 All-Ireland, won a, an All-Ireland as a minor manager as well. I suppose, first of all, what are your thoughts on the, the entire scenario? I mean, very harsh, I felt, on Colin Bonner and, and his sacking. Like, I know Tipperary didn't win a game in the championship this year, but it was his first year, and, like, Tipperary still gave a couple of good performances. And, you know, it was difficult coming in after Liam Sheedy, considering there was a big turnover of players, but... What are your thoughts on, on the entire situation, I suppose, starting off with the sacking of Colin Bonner? I mean, when it initially came out, I uh, I was actually on a podcast that like the GA show podcast, and I was I was I, I was on with uh, Joe McCarthy and Patrick O'Halloran and I was just 
I was sickened by it, to be honest with you. But the next day, when the news broke with Liam Carlo, I could see why he got sacked. But even um, Don Oak was mentioning on the, so, the live version of the Sunday game now yesterday during the order of the final coverage, that a certain element is now creeping into the J. That there's a soccer element. I, I actually don't like this. That uh, they're just sacking managers. Like he's an amateur, Colin Bonner. I mean, I think it's absolutely. I was. I know Liam Cattle's going to come in. I do think Liam Cattle will do a good job with these Tipperary players. And I do think eventually they will challenge Limerick and Kilkenny and all the rest in the near future. But Colin Bonner only had one year out of a three year term. He was literally um, explaining his plans for 2023. And the night, the day after, he gets a phone call. Sorry, Colin, you're gone. I mean, where is the ethics with Tipperary G? I mean, I mean, it's an absolute mess. I know Liam Cass probably the better manager. The problem on my podcast, um, a Wexford guy came on, Gary Dore for the Hurling podcast, and he rightly said Liam Cass was Tipperary's first choice when Liam Sheedy left. And I think, and he thinks that um, Tipperary put all the eggs in the wood basket. And then he turned them down and went with Watford. And rightly so, may I add. But then they got Colin Bonner as a bit of a quick fix. And I mean, I mean, just to play him like that, I mean, it's sickening. It really is sickening. And I just don't want this sort of culture creeping into the GA. There's even, there's, I thought it was just fan culture with, um, you know, fans on the hill or something like that. Um, soccer culture, doing soccer chants. But it's creeping in further into the GA. And I think it's absolutely ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous what has happened with Colin Bonner. He might not have the best track record with the likes of Carlo, with the likes of Wexford, but he's given his all to Tipperary GA for how many years now? And just to sack him. I mean, geez, like, um, like I hope to God now, I hope, like, Liam Cahill's going to take the Tipperary job. I think everybody um, and their dog knows this. But I just, I just hope that Liam Cahill is, treat, is not treated the same way as Colin Bonner. Because it's an absolute disgrace what happened um, last Thursday evening. I mean, it was it was ridiculous what happened. I was sickened by it. Liam Cahill, I do think, will do a great job with Tipperary. But the way Colin Bonner left, relieved of his duties. Whenever did you hear that in the J? I mean, it's it's an absolutely disgraceful decision. And you mentioned Liam Sheedy. We mentioned it on your podcast last year. He didn't bring the old players through. He only brought through Jake Morris. Colin Bonner brought through a load of young players. It was always going to be transitional period for Tipperary. And as we said with Limbrick as well, they produced their best performance of the year against Limbrick. And against Watford as well, let's not forget. They only they didn't perform in two games when you look at the bigger picture, Claire Cork. So it was always going to be a transitional period for Tipperary. There was Porrick Marr gone, Brendan Marr gone. That's your half back line. I mean, I mean, it was absolutely sickening what happened with Colin Bonner. The disrespect was absolutely unbelievable. And I hope to God that doesn't happen with Liam Cahill. Though. I mean, I really hope it doesn't happen. But with Tipperary GA, with putting a stunt like that last Thursday, you never know. And it probably will creep into more counties, football and hurling, in the next few years. I hope it doesn't, but it probably will. Yeah, I mean, it's it's... It's one of them as well, like with 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 the whole scenario. Like I think people forget as well. Like Tipperary's one of their best performances was against Waterford on the opening day, but that was when Waterford were in flying form. Like that was when Waterford had just come on the back of of, of obviously winning the league. They played teams at the wrong times as well. Like they played Cork towards the end when they started to build a bit of momentum as well. Like they just 
happened to face a lot of sides at the wrong times. And let's not forget, Shamie Callan was was injured as well. Like who's been, you know, obviously Tipperary sort of standout forward really in the last couple of seasons. So you know they've had a couple of things go against them. And as you said there, I do think like Liam Cattle is the better manager, and he is probably going to do better potentially in the role than. Colin Bonner, and that's no disrespect to, to Colin Bonner. I just think when you look at Liam Cahill's track record with the under-20s and the minors, he obviously knows the lads. He's done a fantastic job at Waterford. He kind of took them out of the doldrums a little bit, following on um, you know, from, obviously, the 2017 All-Ireland Final under Derek McGrath and everything else. So, you know, like when you look at it, it probably is the right decision, but I think it's just the way that it's been handled. Like I think you know, Tipperary should have made this more clear in my opinion from the get-go like it was looking perfectly clear that Colin Bonner was going to be staying on as Tipperary manager and then you know whether they whether one of the Tipperary officials in the board spoke to Liam Cahill and all of a sudden the decision was made but I feel like they should have stuck to their guns and you know like Liam Cahill turned them down last year they should have stuck to their guns in my opinion and stuck with Colin Bonner I know like look it's probably the right decision to bring Cahill in but I do think there should be an element of respect there that should be kept, especially with Colin Bonner and Tipperary. And I think it's, yeah, it definitely does leave a bit of sour taste in in the mouths, I'd imagine, of, of Tipperary fans kind of seeing that news. If what does, yeah, and uh, as I mentioned there, he was, he was outlining his plans for 2023 and then to get sat the next day. I mean, the communication was all over the place. He obviously taught Colin Bonner that I'm going to stay on. I'm going to do a better job than this year. We'll get our players back. We'll get Shamey Cannon back. We'll get our main players back. The younger players will develop into better players and we'll move motoring on into next year. And then the next day, it's a call. Sorry, Colin. You're relieved of your duties. You're gone. Good luck. <laughs> I mean, it's it's absolutely ludicrous. It's ludicrous. I do think Liam Cal is the better manager. No disrespect to Colin Bonner. I do think Liam Cal will do a better job seeing as it what he did with Watford and the Tipperary of the 20s, let's not forget as well. But the whole situation, how it has been handled, why did, if they wanted to get rid of Colin Bonner, why did they make it clear a week earlier at least? I mean, and to just get a phone call the morning after outlining your plans for 2023. I, I mean, where's the logic, Aaron? I mean, I, I, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Do you think this is a thing creeping into the GA or is it something the Tipperary just did? Unethically, and um, it, it the news just broke, or do you think it's going through other counties as well? Yeah, well, I, th- I think it's definitely there. Like, I think you all, all you need to do is look on Twitter and you'll see managers being you know, loads of people calling for managers to be sacked and this and that. And you know, Desi for a lot of people looking for Desi Farrell to be sacked. And you know, when obviously with Peter Keane last year in charge of Kerry, I remember a lot of people were going mad, even actually poor at Joyce. I remember when Galway lost to Mayo, I remember. Um, you know, there's this, this Galway football page that I follow, and all the comments were literally saying that Joyce needs to go and they need to, you know, they need a new manager, a new man in. And look at them now, like they're in an all Ireland final. Like, no, no one, you know, in, in a month of Sundays is ever going to want Joyce to go anywhere anytime soon now. Like, so it's kind of crazy how, how quick things can turn. But as you said there, like it is, it is very much creeping in. Like, it's it, and it's strange as well. Like, like it, it doesn't seem to be there for some counties, but I do feel that a lot of county boards, for whatever reason, are handling these situations really bad. Like even the whole Andy McEntee Mead situation as well. Like last year, where 
you know, it got sent back to the county board and then, you know, obviously the clubs had to vote them back in and just all sorts of confusion really creeping in really between managers, some managers sticking around and all of a sudden being sacked and being let go, everything else sort of going on there. So unfortunately it looks like it is creeping in in, in some ways, which, um, you know, I'm not really too sure why. I mean, it's like, I don't think county boards, you know, they probably do see a lot of what goes on on social media and they see what people are saying and all the rest. But I just think the way it's been handled is, is really badly. Like I think, you know, obviously Tipperary are, uh, you know, one of the most successful hurling counties in the game. So, you know, I, I could understand that personally if they did say after they got beat um, by Cork and they exited the championship having lost four games. And I could understand if they turned around and said, well, look, we're going to make a change here. This isn't working out, unfortunately. I know it's only a year, but thanks very much for, for your service. And then they make the decision there and then that's it. But not this sort of like we'll keep you around and all. Oh, there's a better option over here and just being a, all of it being leaked in the media as well. Like you know, I think that's the the big problem. I think. Yeah, definitely. And another point I wanted to put across. Joe McCarthy mentioned this as well. Player power. Like I I don't know how much uh, the temporary players played this. I think it's under wraps now. But I don't know. Like, do you think mm. the temporary players voted them out or not? Like, player power has been prevalent. For ages now, ever since um, the car player strikes in 2008, even with the footballers, like we voted Teddy Holland when Teddy Holland was appointed new manager of uh, the car footballers, did the footballers just didn't want him in charge? And then Connor Coonan get yes, Connor Coonan bought us in All Ireland, but at the same time, where's the ethics? Like, you know, I mean, mm. it, it does, it didn't seem to be there for a long period after that, but I just wonder with this temporary situation, did the players vote him out? If they did, shame on them. Because because they're Colin Bonner's the manager. He's in charge of the players. He like if anything, the Cody board and Colin Bonner should stand over the players. Like, you know, it's I mean, it's it's ridiculous what has happened to the last week. I hope honestly it doesn't happen again. But seeing I just think a professional culture, a soccer culture is creeping into GA. I don't get me wrong, I support Liverpool and all that. I I went to a few Ireland soccer games and I went to Cork City soccer games. But I don't want this professional soccer culture creeping into an amateur game. I just, I just don't want it. Like, you know, I don't think you'd want it either. I don't think John McMahon wants it. I don't think Patrick Sharpney wants it. I don't think GA Ellis wants it. I don't think anybody wants it. We just want our game back. You know, that that's the main thing. Like, they're amateur players. And even with Parrick Joyce, like... Phil is the most uh, saying, "Oh, he should he should go," despite having a year or two left in his contract. I mean, you know, these managers gave up so much time to try and uh, impress the fans. Where's the appreciation? I mean, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous at times. That some temporary fans are actually saying they call a bother deserve to be sacked. That that's the culture now. You know. I mean, I don't like it, Aaron. I really don't like it. I hope it, it's it's getting out of our game. I hope it's not creeping up out of our game. But unfortunately, I just think player power, potentially, and a soccer culture is creeping into a amateur game. And I, I just don't like it. Yeah, and I suppose lastly on this topic then, like obviously Liam Cahill stepping down as as Waterford manager. Like obviously Waterford now looking for, for a new manager themselves. But... What were your thoughts on Liam Cahill stepping down as Waterford manager in the first place? I mean, you know, would Colin Bonner have, have been sacked if Tipperary or if Liam Cahill didn't step down? We don't really know. But, 
in my opinion, I was a little bit surprised, to be honest, because look, I know Waterford in the end sort of had a, a difficult enough year, but I still think they've very good group of lads, very good group of players, you know, a couple of lads obviously coming through the ranks at the minute as well, you know, and I don't think Waterford would have been too far away with Liam Cahill at the ranks next year. So what were your thoughts on, on him stepping down as Waterford manager? Well, he had three years, so maybe it's not surprising. Like, Watford do have uh, very good players, as you say, coming through, and they reached an honour of the final in 2020. They were very close in 2021. They just had an off year this year, winning the league, winning the league in the process, which is, uh, in itself, a very good achievement. But honestly, I think it was something behind the scenes. The Tipperary County Board maybe just sneaked to Liam Cahill and said, look, we're going to sack this guy, though, and you could come in. Or something like that. Or it was... Colin Bonner got sacked. Liam Cahill sees the news and he says, sorry, I'm stepping down. You know, I mean, I mean, at the same time, you can't fault Liam Cahill. He's served three years with Watford. Like, it is in his own county at the end of the day. It's, he, he was, he's a Tipperary man. He's played for Tipperary in the past. He was an under-20 manager with Tipperary. And honestly, I just think he was re- waiting for the right opportunity to get this um, Tipperary job. But look, it's going to be a tough decision now for Watford. I mean, Davy Fitz is in the running. Uh, Derek McGrath back at the running. I personally think Eddie Brennan would be very good for Watford, though. I think he has a very good CV with uh, Kula, also with Leash. I think he has the all capabilities of being a manager. And you're, lots of people are saying, oh, it's a Kilkenny man managed Watford, a Tipperary man managed Watford, a Clare man managed Watford, you know, a Cartman managed Watford as well, a load of Cartman managed Watford. So, you know, it's not, it's not, um, it's not as if it's, it's it's not normal or anything like that. It is normal in the case of Watford that they get an outside manager. Like I think honestly, David Fitz would be more suited to Dublin and Eddie Brennan to Watford, but we'll have to wait and see in the next few weeks. But as for Liam Cahill, you were a bit shocked, Darren. After the news, I with Colin Butter, I wasn't shocked to be honest with you. But if Colin Butter didn't get sacked, I would have been slightly shocked. But at the same time, I, I could understand. Like it was three years. His three years was up. And he gave his all for Watford G in fairness. Like he got them to an order and finally won the league title. Couldn't ask for much more with Watford other than obviously the name McCarthy Cup, but obviously there is that great Limber team around. Yeah, I suppose it is a it is a fair point, all right. And as uh, Chris Conlon or Christopher Conlon saying here, Liam, Liam Cahill would make tip into a serious team. And yeah, like I don't think anyone's denying that. Like I think, you know, with with Liam Cahill in charge, I think Tipperary We'll be will be up there next year, and I think there'll be there'll be a team definitely worth fearing, in my opinion. But I just think the way the whole scenario has been handled, I think, has just been the the most disappointing thing, um, in my opinion. I suppose we'll run through some of the uh, ladies' football action from the weekend. So it was Mayo thirteen points, Kerry four ten. Big win for Kerry. I mean, look, it's been a while since they've got themselves to a All Ireland final at ladies' football, but. Um, I mean, what an achievement, what a year they're having and uh, what a display to put on. I mean, to score 4-10 um, and I suppose in a similar fashion to the men who obviously put up a, a big win against Mayo in the in the quarterfinals of the All-Ireland. You know, the ladies do it in the semis. Big win for, for the Kingdom. Very big win, yeah. In fairness to Kerry, like they were they were Division 2 outfit. Like they're, they've been under the doldrums the last few years. They, they, they lost the Munster Championship and while we're on the Provincial Championships, None of the provincial winners actually reached the semi-finals of the ladies' football championship. I, I that's never happened. Like that's brilliant in its own right, and it's a brilliant championship even to keep an eye on. But yeah, Kerry, brilliant win. Um, yeah, I slightly think though, like as a Cork fan, like we, we lost to Mayo in the quarterfinals. We, the difference was Cork didn't go for goals against Mayo. Kerry did, and Kerry ripped them apart. That was 
the honest truth. But Mio had a good year themselves. He reached the league semi-final. Lisa Carfrick, he was very good. But I think it was just defensive errors, really, from Mayo that cost him in this game. Uh, uncharacteristic errors from him. The back line, um, some from the goalkeeper. Like The first goal was very lucky for Kerry. It was the deflected effort from Ashley O'Connell. Very good performance. And she plays for Eroog and Cork. So that's obviously um, someone in the other final from um, the Cork Club Championship. So they're um, to my own arm there. But um, yeah, Louise Devorhor take five points for play. Very good player. And uh, like Kerry have a very good team. Daniel O'Leary, um, I'm thinking Paris McCarthy as well, basketball player like Kieran Donahue. So um, very good performance by her. And yeah, Kerry are gradually getting their team together though. Like you look at uh, Louise Galvin, who was missing at the start of the year. She's now on the bench as well, who was on the Irish rugby team a few years, se- years seasons ago. Erica Bilgin, who was on the underdog. So Kerry have a very good um, crop of players coming through. Mayo will go again next year. Like, Mayo have always, like, they kind of get to a semi-final and they then lose it. But Kerry, that's their first All-Ireland final since 2012. Fair play to them. And the double is on, unfortunately, from a Cork fan's point of view. Like, if Kerry win the All-Ireland in ladies football, Cork fans would be absolutely sickened. But um, anyway, fair play to Kerry for uh, getting the four goals. But Mayo will go again now next year. But what an achievement for Declan Long and Dark Will. Very good um year for them, especially being a Division 2 team. Who would have thought that Division 2 final against Armagh, that Kerry would be contesting an all the final? Very good achievement for Kerry, but uh, Mayo will have to go again next year. Yeah, I mean, I think if Kerry do the double, I think, you know, I might have to leave the country or something. I might have to <laughs> pack my bags maybe and just, you know, get out of get out of Dublin, get out of Ireland for, for a couple of weeks. I mean, but to be fair, it is on. I mean, look, obviously, we know the quality of the footballers obviously going in as favourites uh, against Galway. But, you know, it'll be Kerry will be going in as underdogs against Mead, obviously, following on from, from their victory. But at the same time, as we've seen in ladies football, like we, we see this every now and again, where teams kind of just come out of nowhere, really, and, and sort of just go on a bit of a run and then start to dominate. Obviously, we've seen that with Mead last year, the surprise package going all the way to the final and then eventually winning the competition against Dublin. And Kerry, in almost a similar breath, have been a bit like that this year. Like, I don't think anyone has really envisaged them getting to the All-Ireland Final. And the fact that they've put up 4-10 against Mayo as well, like, it's some scoreline to put up against them. It's a very good scoreline, yeah. And uh, a lot of people are thinking Kerry are underdogs, but I just wanted to put in there, they have the joint most ladies football titles ever. So, um, Mm. look, (laughs) they aren't that much of an underdog, to be honest with you. But, um, yeah, it's a a very good achievement for Kerry. Like, um, they've been... the whipping, the whipping players for recent years against Cork, like Cork have been dominant in Munster over the last few years, and fair play to Kerry for getting to the final. I just think, like, if Cork beat Mayo, would it be a different uh, outcome here? Would Cork have beaten Kerry in the semi-final? I, maybe it's bias. I think Cork would have beaten Kerry, but um, but anyway, fair play to Kerry for reaching the final. There's some very good young players coming through. Like, uh, nearly half the UN team that won the O'Connor Cup, actually, were Kerry players. Fiona Tackney, who actually wasn't on the panel, was their captain. She's from Kerry. You look at um, uh, Neve Concord, Neve O'Connor, if you want to say it in English. Uh, she was on the bench. She was starting at the start of the year. Very good player as well. Very good midfielders. Lorraine Scanlon has been there for a few years now. Kaylee Cronin's very good. And Ashley Desmond, they lost their captain now last year in Ashley Desmond. And they could have easily folded. But if fairness them, they reached an Ireland final. Fair play to Kerry for that. And they will give me a good rattle. Like, Meads haven't been the top dogs this year. They've kind of been like Limerick in the hurling. They've done enough just to get over the line so far. They've had close kickers like Emma Duggan, of course. But uh, Kerry will give them 
So there's a very good chance of winning this all the final. They haven't won all Ireland, I think, since the 90s. So that'll be a long time for Kerry to pray at that duck. But uh, fair play to Kerry for getting to the final. But uh, as a Cork fan, I'd be sick of Kerry with the double. As you rightly said, Aaron, I'd probably go on hiding, to be honest with you, if they win the double. But um, look, if it happens, it happens. And um, we'll we'll probably end up in Mallorca or Beether or somewhere um, other than Ireland, really. Wouldn't that be a holiday? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't believe as a Dublin man, I'm going to be cheering on Mead for the for the for the All Ireland final. It's it's kind of I don't really want either of them to win, to be honest. But at least I do kind of like the the Mead story of of kind of coming out of nowhere and obviously what they what they achieved last year, having come up from from intermediate level. But it was me twelve points, Donegal won seven, very close game in the end. And I suppose once again, like last year, Emma Duggan delivering another big big performance i mean it's incredible to think she's only 19 she scored four points in this game and again as you said there like mead haven't looked at their brilliant best maybe as they did last year um but they're finding ways to win games and they're finding ways to, to come through and i suppose you have to give them uh, credit for that it's kind of the same situation as this semi-final as the Kerry semi-final because there was an argument if dublin would have beaten duddy gall got over that hurdle would they beat mead in the semi-final at the same time, I think mm. Dublin have beat Mead uh, twice this year. Mead have beat them once, so maybe Mead would have eaten the score. But at the same time, but it was a tough game for Mead. Like Donegal, as always, they put it up to the pin their collar. They reached the league final this year. Like it was disappointment for Donegal. Like Maxi Curran, I was seeing in the post match interview, and um, what Ron Maxi Curran could he take the men's job now for Donegal? I was thinking that the other day, could he possibly do like Declan Bodder's time is up maybe he's done a good job he was on the background team with Donegal a few years ago when Rory Gallagher was manager so he does have experience there but um yeah fair play to me for getting over the line in this one did only three, three points in the first half they hit nine points in the second half against a very defensive Donegal team but that has to be credited for this Mead team and uh fair play I don't know about the incident at the end Aaron to be honest with you like there was a decision I think one of the Donegal players collided with Mary-Kate Lynch and it was given as a free out to Mead. I would have given it a throw ball. I, I don't know what that decision was about, to be honest with you. But at the mm. same time, Mead probably deserved the victory over this Donegal team. They were defensively solid Donegal, but Mead got over the line. And yeah, Donegal, they'll be wrong for the next few years. But the worrying thing is, I think Yvonne Bonner nearly is coming to the end now. She scored two points from play. Like She's probably their main player. Jordan McLaughlin played very well as well from playing fairness to her. Like, uh, but me, their main players, not just Emma Duggan, Orla Lally as well, Vicky Wall as usual, Nevo Sullivan, and Mary Kate Lynch for full back. I know there was a controversial decision at the end, but I think she, she was excellent to full back as well. And yeah, if me go on and win two in a row, who would have thought that? that was, that's an unbelievable achievement for me. And fair play to them. And um, another thing uh, with notable on ladies football, I know about the Vicky Wall thing. Like, every time she steps onto the field, she seems to get a yellow card and get a sin bin. Mead were calling for this, that the Sidbin should go in ladies football. I think it's getting more, it's more physical now, ladies football, and the Sidbin should go. I don't know what you think yourself or anybody in the comments think, but I think mm. it probably should go. But um, fair play to Mead. Donegal will go again next year. But imagine if Mead went two All-Irelands in a row. But you probably have to go in hiding either way, Aaron, if Mead or Kerry win the All-Irelands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Look, I, I can handle Kerry winning just once they don't win the football, to be honest with you. I think that's the... That's the main one, really. I think maybe if they win both, it'd be a bit much. But, um, but yeah, as you said there with the sin bin, like it is interesting, all right. Like it seems, I just think the the decision making around the sin bin is just a bit, 
inconsistent you know at, at times like you know it's hard to really know in terms of the challenges and all the rest what they're what they're actually giving these these yellow cards for a lot of the time but i suppose obviously the final is a couple of weeks away but who would you be tipping at, at these early stages between mead and and kerry like i'd imagine me they're going in as slight favorites but as you as you have said before like kerry they've obviously got a an allure in this competition a history in this competition obviously not for a, a long time now but you know it's uh it's going to be interesting so who would be your early pick going into that final it's a tough one like um like me i think would be everybody's favorite but um if you uh, last year actually in the division two final me be kerry to promotion i wonder is that revenge at the back of kerry's minds now trying to go into this game. Maybe it's not their young, young team, though. But, yeah, it'd be some t- statement of intent to carry one to Ireland, really, because a lot of people were actually pre- saying that Cork and Watford, and maybe even Tipperary with Ashley Maloney, Ashley McCarthy, all them players, were probably ahead of Kerry at one stage. And for them to get to an All-Ireland final, that's incredible. And for them to win it would be a statement of intent for this Kerry team. But I just think... This B team, a bit like Limerick in the hurling, they're not as perfect really as the Limerick hurlers now. But I just think when when it was put to the test for this B team, they always get over the line. Like when there was a tough game for this B team, they always find a way. And I just think this B team are in prime position to win the All Ireland. It's an early prediction now, but I just think Mead will have enough to win this game. It'll be incredible for either side to win the All Ireland. Carry for the first time since the nineties. Me to win two in a row would be a statement of the ten for them, but I think with Orla Lally leaving and Vicky Wall leaving for AFLW, I think it's probably Mead's time. I think Mead will win the All Ireland, but Kerry to get the All Ireland final is so much cheaper, regardless of the result for them. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose just touching on some of the Camogie results before we finish up, it was Dublin one eleven, Kilkenny two twenty four. I was watching some of this game and. Like Dublin, I thought started quite well. Like they were looking good in the early stages, but Kilkenny hit one eleven without reply between the fourteenth minute and the twenty seventh minute, which is absolutely incredible, really, from Kilkenny. And you'd have to say, like, this was an outrageous performance. I felt from Kilkenny, like, really, really good performance. I mean, scoring two twenty four, exceptional. And you know, there was times in that game where, as a Dublin fan, I felt like, geez, we might actually have an opportunity or a chance here. I mean, I know we were going in as as massive underdogs, but. Yeah, once Kilkenny got going, I mean, this was, you know, game over, really. Yeah, like, um, I've I seen this game briefly as well. I was um, carried up with the excitement of the ladies' football uh, semi-finals. I was literally switching back at the early rugby team as well. So I wasn't watching much of the Camogie, to be honest with you, but I checked the scores and things like that. I uh, seen the second half of this game. And yeah, Dublin actually were ahead in the first half, but Kilkenny... Just turned on the style. Denise Gall was very good. Miriam Walsh, well, Miriam Walsh just scored 8-19 from play in the whole Camogie Championship this season. That is absolutely incredible for him. We talk about David Clifford or Garo Hager, the incredible form in the males game or Emma Duggan in ladies football. But this is an incredible player, Miriam Walsh. Like, uh, watch her now next week against Galway. Incredible talent. Um, yeah, very good performance for Kilkenny. They were missing Aoife Doyle, who was on my podcast. Very good player. Um, they were missing her throughout this game, but they still go over the line. I think this is a development over Dublin. Adrian O'Sullivan in charge there. Yeah, it was a difficult game to get over the line in, but they'd be happy about their year getting over the line to get to a quarterfinal. But fair play to Kilkenny. They'll move on to a Galway game now. They've drawn against Galway already in the round robin. So um should be a very, very interesting semi-final. And uh, yeah, I'm very excited about this semi-final, actually. But for Dublin... 
they they need to improve next year to be up that, at that level with Kilkenny. But Kilkenny, brilliant performance with Mary Walsh, Denise Gall, and the whole rest of the players there. Yeah, and it was Waterford 316, Limerick 112 in the other game. So it will be Cork against Waterford and Galway versus Kilkenny in the uh, semi final. So a repeat of the All Ireland final last year in Galway, Kilkenny. So that will certainly be uh, an interesting game and one worth watching. Well, look, listen, Matthew, very much appreciate you jumping on as always. And um, yeah, appreciate you coming on. Make sure to check out the, the GA Statsman podcast uh when you get a chance make sure to check out ga statsman on instagram as well if people could hit the like button and subscribe to uh well matthew's channel and my channel as well be very much uh, appreciated so uh yeah cheers matthew for coming on no bother at all aaron and uh hopefully carry on to the double for border six yeah absolutely i said i agree with